welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lenu. And this week, there's children, and they're the devil. Oh no. You guys, we watched The Omen from 1976. Before we get started talking about the movie, I'm going to ask my friend here, how was your week? My week was actually, so far, has been lovely. Lovely. I it's been to... two days since right. we last recorded. Shh, it's secret. <laughs> I went to the, because um, I know that we mentioned that in our last podcast. Yes. That we were going to a Juneteenth slash Flash. Father's Day yes. uh, party, and I had a really good time. It was lovely. Yes, I forgot I the game I wanted to bring, but that's okay. Right. We ate delicious meat. I made a corn salad that I thoughtfully for you left mayonnaise out of, forgetting entirely that you can't eat corn, so mm. it doesn't even matter. It's the thought that counts. I'm very dumb kind sometimes. Kind of like this morning when I got you the iced mocha, only I Only it was just the mocha. mocha. It was delicious, and it was cool enough that I didn't overheat and die. Y'all, okay. it's going to get hot here in the next couple of days. Uh... It's supposed to be 80 today, 90 tomorrow, and then 80 the following day, which means in our apartment it is 90, then maybe 105, and then back down to 90. Mm. Uh, I did today finally pull the trigger and buy a canopy with netting so that we could sit downstairs because it's, like, beautiful outside, but we're on the second floor with no air conditioning, and all of the heat is trapped in here. So, it's tough. It's it's still super early in the season, and I figured, let me get this now, and we can maybe get some use out of it. So, it's yeah, a good idea. Maybe I'll even put up the uh, hammock. Oh, that would be nice. Uh, I don't know how it's survived out there, so we'll we'll test it out. We might have to hose it down, but I love a hammock. I love the idea of a hammock, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever used the hammock that we got once, so. All right. You want to talk about this movie? Yes. Ah, okay. I would like to say, um, first of all, as the host and co-host of Without Works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which um, seeks to debunk the myths that surround the... Theology disclaimer. Theology disclaimer. The church and Christianity and... Um, the nonsense that attaches itself to it, that none of what is passed off as an example of the true faith in this film is actually true. Right, but also there are people who believe like this. Right, and that's an interesting And we've had presidents that fall into that category, right? right? Like W, George W. Bush, and I don't know about his father, but certainly George W. Mm -hmm. Bush is one of those people who's like, Let's push the end times, which seems like a terrible idea, especially if you're a war criminal. But, mm -hmm. you know, you do you, boo. Yes. For those of you who don't know, the end times are specific to a group of prophecies contained at the end of the book of Revelations, also the book of Daniel, that mm -hmm. talk about the rise and fall of empires at the end of the world. These were written probably very specific to the Roman Empire when Christianity was being persecuted. Right. And so, um, and it, in doing They the research, are metaphorical warnings, right. not actual prophecy. Right, and if you were... I don't feel like the book 
the Bible generally deals right. literally in prophecy. Y'all don't believe in witchcraft, right? So <laughs> Prophecy is another thing. However, I do believe that most of what is in the book of Revelations is intended to be for the audiences who it was current with. Right. Why on earth would you write They're not a book, talking to us. Right, that would Similar then, to the framers of the Constitution. Exactly. They're not talking to us. So, um... <laughs> they don't know who we are. There's... It was written, apparently, after a person who, uh... Who was, uh, evangelical. Mm-hmm. And, um... The and writer this, of this movie? No, no, no. Oh. The producer, uh, Harvey, uh... Bernhard. Okay. Uh... He had a conversation about the Bible with Bob Munger, who was a friend. And Bob Munger had just uh, read a book, The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. Okay. Which was Hal Lindsey's interpretation of, and it's a very, for people of a particular generation in the evangelical church, it's a, it was a very popular book. Uh-huh. Because his idea was to tie in ancient prophecies with modern developments. And okay. mostly centered around... Um, Jews returning to Zion. I was going to say Israel. Right. Yeah. Israel becoming a nation was uh, was supposed to be the the uh, the first event in many that brought about this cataclysmic uh, stage of human development. And uh, when, even though that person is listed as a religious consultant, he apparently didn't have much influence on what actually was made. Gotcha. Because the film itself has popularized an idea which is completely anti-biblical, which is that... There is an Antichrist that's going well, to be born an and rise power. there's there. It's describing it. It's probably describing Nero. Um, oh, interesting. Right. It, it not not going to be. Is. Right. There is. <laughs> right. and, you know, he, he who has ears, let him hear. Then, you know, or he who is with understanding. It's like there's a lot of coded references. Um, but... The um, the issue is the producer or and the writer that he hired afterwards pushed the idea that this is sort of an inverted trinity. Yes. Instead of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, right. you have, and that is mentioned in the Bible, the beast, the false prophet, and the Antichrist, but it's, it's making them into, sort of cementing them into a modern reality where just as Jesus is God's son, Lucifer has a son too, which is not at all biblical. So is this this movie what cements that into the idea yes. of evangelical Christians? So like that, okay, so we, you all wouldn't know this unless you listen to both of our shows, but we've yeah. talked on Without Works about the man, mm-hmm. the human man, who was right. a theologian, who calculated the Earth's birthday right. using bonkers techniques, but that is what people have... People in evangelical Christianity, in certain areas of evangelical Christianity, have linked onto as this is the actual age of the earth. It's the young earth people, right? Um, And now this, it's the omen that is cementing the the idea that Satan actually has a child. And it's, it's, it's become part of this is a, a nice big word, premillennial dispensationalism. Okay. Which is the idea that um, there's going to be a literal thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ that happens 
Uh, um, all, all of the things that mm-hmm. a cult would believe, only they are putting it in Christian terms, so now people believe it and don't think that they're in a cult. Well, yes, and that's that's it. These were not things written into the Bible. What was written in the Bible was actually, again, coded language for people at the time. Do most of the people who believe it think it was written into the Bible? I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, This is one of those things I'm constantly wondering. I I feel this way about politicians who just say shit that is clearly untrue. Mm -hmm. Do you believe this, or are you just here to make money and get power, and you can say these things to do that? I feel the same way about right. evangelicals um, who are preaching are these some things. some very plainly who are just that. They are, this is an avenue for making money. For making money. Okay. Yeah. That feels right. Or they started out one way and eventually discovered how much money they could money make. They could be making <laughs> yes. Fair enough. And got very comfortable with the lifestyle, which is odd considering that Jesus was homeless for the last three years of his life. Yeah. So let's start with... This movie was released, we're almost doing an anniversary show. It was released wide June 25th, 1976. Mm. Uh, This episode is going to be released slightly, it's going to be released on the 30th. Uh, So, we're very close to a, what is that, 46 Mm. years since this movie has come out. Uh, It was... Made for two point eight million dollars, and it made sixty point nine million dollars. Yeah. So that is a success. It was directed by Richard Donner early in his career, pre-Superman. Now this is—he'd been directing a lot of television, television, lots of television, lots of television. literally every television show you've ever heard of. A very famous episode of Twilight Zone. Well, and there's not a just one. Plane, but, oh, uh, he did that one he did too. That yeah. One. But yes. Yeah, no, I was scrolling through his things and it was like... A Man from Uncle and uh, there's a a number of other TV shows he directed. Those are the two that I used to watch. The Tall Man, The Rifleman, Have Gun, Will Travel, so a lot of those mm-hmm. old Combat, Western shows. Smart. Twilight, funny. several episodes, of the, six episodes of The Twilight Zone, The Man from Uncle, Gilligan's Island, Perry Mason, Get Smart, as you say, The Fugitive, um, The Wild Wild West... Uh, the Banana Splits Adventure Hour. Did you ever see the Banana Splits? Or was I have never. No, no this is. Uh, I, I don't even know what to picture when I when you say that. Uh, I kind of just lump it in with, um, HR Puff and stuff and things like, like that. that. Okay, people in really big, heavy, furry costumes. Okay, yeah, that, and, it is like that. that. And, okay, crazy photography running around and. And there was a segment, Danger Island, which was, I guess, shot in Mexico. I thought it was Puerto Rico when I was a kid. And it's about these kids lost on this island and uh, all their attempts to get off, which is funny because he also directed Gilligan's Island before that. Uh, And so it's, oh, here's a version for kids, only more action-oriented. So he's done a couple of movies at this point, smaller Mm -hmm. things. He does this. And then directly after this, he does Superman. And um, that's probably what he's largely known for. The Goonies also. And then the Lethal Weapon movies. That's Mm -hmm. right. Radio Flyer. And probably my favorite, maybe, Maverick. I really like that movie. It's not good. Y'all, I can't watch it now because Mel Gibson's a mess. Uh, And then he basically retired in 2006 and then passed away in last year, just last year, about a year ago, at the age of 91. I forgot he directed Conspiracy Theory. 
That movie is weird, and I actually don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. I, I think I, I've seen I, the first really, 20 minutes yes. like four times, and then I think and that's Lady it. Hawk, which was another one that it was... Yeah, I've never seen Lady Hawk. I, I like put it, it in like the it. same realm as like Beastmaster. Mm-hmm. Is no, it in the same very, realm? It's, it's, it's not? very fun and silly. Oh, okay. I, I can't say that Beastmaster isn't that. Well, I've Beastmaster never seen that it. Too, but this one has uh, <laughs> the scores by the Alan Parsons Project. So there's a lot of, oh, sort of disco music in the background. Let's, let's talk about score. That's the other thing about this oh, movie. Okay. Y'all, oh, I'm going to be up front about mm-hmm. my feelings on this movie right off the bat. I did not care for this film. I did not enjoy watching it. I fell asleep in the last 20 minutes, and I did rewatch it, so I have seen the whole thing. But I did not enjoy it, and a large reason as to why I did not enjoy it was... Well, there's two reasons. One of them is the music. Mm. It is an iconic soundtrack. You've heard these music stings before. But this score is so heavy-handed... It tells you a minute out before something is going to happen that something is going to happen with the music. It's insistent. It's loud. It is a lot of strings at a very high pitch. And it's just a lot for me. I didn't enjoy the listen of it. The second thing I didn't, uh, that I had a problem with, and this is a problem that comes with it being 2022 right. and me not seeing this movie when it came out. I know that there are sequels to this movie. And so I'm not really worried about Damien's health because I'm pretty sure he survives. We're not supposed to necessarily be worried about Damien's health. Well, yes, but prick. what I'm I mean, saying is, well, first of all, right. I also would argue that he doesn't really do anything in this Which is movie. interesting. I'll, I'll mention, bring that up in just a second. Because today. that was the other thing. I'm like, we're pinning a lot on this child mm-hmm. when he has a psychopath babysitting him. Right. And maybe a girl who was a little off kilter. But literally, he is wound up and let go when he does actual harm. And other things are not... They're, presumed to be coming from him because he has this mark uh, under his hair and he came from this place that he came from, which we'll talk about. But I'm just like, we're putting a lot on a five-year-old when he doesn't actually do anything. In the later ones, I presume he takes a more active right. role since he is between zero and five in this one. So so let's start. You want to just start with the yes. plot? But, I mean, or do you to, want to say to something To go back first? to the, yeah. the, the, the music and also to make the point about yeah. why he's kind of passive. Mm. Jerry Goldsmith, we've, yes. I liked his scores on other things. Uh, oh, yeah. His score on Poltergeist is actually... He's extremely talented. Right. And uh, if it wasn't attached uh, to this movie, I might like the score. Well, I think the problem that I have with it is it's, it's creepy for me in a different way because he's actually inverted... He's inverted hymns and right, and, and things he's inverted like that. Mass, so it's uh, it's very famous. It's called Ave Satana, yeah, as opposed to Ave, Ave Maria. Maria, yeah. And it has all sorts of lyrics, like if you translate them from the Latin, or saying things like "Hail Satan, Satan rise," yeah, you know. Maybe I just am very sensitive right. to satanic music, and I don't want it. I violently reject it with my person. That, that could be <laughs> what it is. And I... I'm an angel. Oh, also, 
This movie besmirches a Rottweiler in a way that bums me out. We'll no. talk about it. You were like, oh, no, it's not good dog Carl. And I'm like, not bad dog Carl, but y'all, bad dog bad Carl. Dog Carl. <laughs> but, yeah, he did the score for The Illustrated Man. He did the score for... Um, he did the, the theme for Man from Uncle. He's, yeah. he's done a lot of stuff. He's very talented. It right. is not him. It is the use. It, and I think he probably was asked for... Mm-hmm. explicitly heavy-handed things. It could just be an early in Richard Donner's career. He wanted to make sure that the audience was going to pick up what he was mm-hmm. putting down, and so right. he was giving all the cues. Trust your audience a little more, Dick. You're fine. Everything's well, fine. And here's the second point to speak to that, yes. and also why Damien is oddly passive in this movie. Yes. I discovered that... There was, originally, Richard Donner wanted the film, apparently, to be read this way. The parents are stirred up by this priest. Yes. Who's obviously high on drugs, we find right, out later we on. Right, we do, yes. Um, and this creepy le- uh, woman who becomes his nurse. Yes, that comes out of nowhere. And so the ending is left very ambiguous, that turning in, the, there's a scene, the very last shot of the film is Damien turning, breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, and looking, looking at, at right us. in the camera and doing a little smirk. If it had been ambiguous. I might have to, liked it a little bit better. It's just like, well, is this a kid who just has really bad luck? Right. Where bad things have happened around him? And right. So, uh, and I feel like... Mm-hmm. At different parts of our lives, you right. can feel like that's you, right. right? Like, I very much felt that way at the beginning of this year when everyone around me was having these terrible things happen to them. Right. And I wasn't. And I was like, y'all need to stop talking to me because <laughs> I am the link that is merging you. I am the center of your wheel. Um, uh, you are all spokes and you are innocent, but for me. <laughs> so... Uh, yes, that yeah, would have been and Gregory Peck bad signed door, on with the idea that this that was going was to be, be a psychological case. thriller. Is this a man losing his bearings? But, he has this young, beautiful wife that mm-hmm. he needs to hold on to, and I like the fact that he emphasized he has a young, beautiful wife, and he is an older man. Yeah, He's is trying to Lee Wemmick that much yes. younger than him? I don't know because Gregory Peck's looked like that forever. Right. I don't know how old he is compared to her at this time. But um, he has this relationship with this woman, this beautiful, who obviously that You that say comes he across. has a relationship with this woman. He, he is married. Well, they, are, they are well-matched. Uh, like, it's not yes, like... Yes, but they, when I say relationship, they actually seem to genuinely love each other. Yes, I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. It's not just he's having this relationship having, with this well, young woman. He's a relationship with... <laughs> Anyhow, my point is, and then... There's this child, he doesn't want to disappoint her, right? She is 19 years his junior in right. real life. In yeah. movie time, that's probably actually closer to like 30 years. I think they years. Age her up a little bit and aged him down a little bit. You think that's what it, they I would do? Know. I would see them doing it the other way around. Um, uh, yeah, but, she's, you know, she's, at the time of filming, she's 40. Mm-hmm. So she's a grown woman. Right. And they probably did age her down. But... It makes sense for her to have a, a difficult birth. Exactly. If and she so is older. You can see how if this was done that way, the film would be closer to... It would be a psychological thriller, and you could look at it and go, oh, that's... Is it in his head? Is he is he being pushed to do something horrible? Is, it, is he a, a, being manipulated by this 
crazy priest to do things, our circumstances putting him in this way where he winds up trying to kill his this son or this adopted kid. So he was a, a little bit upset, Mr. Peck was, and the director, that the producers wanted to go in the direction of, no, this is going to be a successor to Rosemary's Baby and the Exorcist. Right, which had just been very popular. Right. It's right. Be so it's coming right off. It's coming it's a year be... after The Exorcist. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's start at the start. Okay. We have Robert Thorne, American diplomat, his wife Kathy. They're living in Rome. She goes to give birth on a dark and stormy night, and that baby dies. They don't tell her that that baby dies, they tell him that that baby dies. Because in the 70s, that was still an acceptable mm, thing to do. Right. And then he makes a terrible choice when the hospital chaplain, Father Spiletto, who's a real dick, uh, basically says, come get this baby we just got. Look at him. Look how cute this baby is. His mother died. He's all alone in the world. You can spare your wife from heartbreak. She never has to know. Right. And he does do that. And I'm just like... There's so much wrong. There's so much wrong. That's the other thing. Right off the bat, I'm like, fuck you and fuck you. Like, that they don't tell this woman what has happened to her. Right. Yes, it's going to be traumatic. She's a grown-ass woman who needs to know what is going on in her life. That he would... I would maybe say have a conversation with her and see if she wants to take this baby home. Because yeah. it's possible that, yes, she would like to take this baby home. But it feels like she should get to know whether or not that baby, who no doubt is going to nurse off of her body and who she's going to treat as her own, is her own. Should There's w- no informed consent uh, from her. None. Zero. It's and terrible. So, so he thinks he's sparing her feelings in a very kind of old-fashioned sort of way. I'm going to spare her feelings. That's right. right? And I'll take care of this. Fuck you, don't. And so that's his first mistake. Oh, I hate it so much. So they get a little boy, and they name him Damien Thorne. Played, when he's older, by a child named Harvey Stevens, who's gone on to do literally nothing else. Right. He was in a TV movie in 1980. And he was in a he made a cameo in the remake of The Omen from two thousand and six, and that is it. That is that is all he has done in Hollywood. There are, there are all sorts of stories about how this film followed him around for the rest of his life, uh, and those are kind of funny because I don't know how much of this is actually true. Uh, I know that he eventually got into some sort of horrible road rage road rage incident and got arrested when he was an adult. Excuse me. Uh, for getting into a fistfight with a pair of, of uh, bicyclists. Um, yes. And, I don't uh, know why you would do that, but... Mm. Uh, yeah, but other than that, yeah, I couldn't find much on him. I remember reading an article on the release of the remake, which I also saw, which is sadly not even as good as this. Yeah. Because it was miscast. And again, great cast. Another thing that I want to bring up real quick at the mm. beginning here... Because while we were watching it about 25 minutes in, you're like, this is like a giallo. Mm -hmm. And I had fallen asleep and, you know, and then rewatched the ending of it. 
And rewatching the end of it, I was like, it's not like a giallo. This is a giallo. Right. And there's a death later that is. Very much. There's a couple of them that was like, I could just imagine. Dario Argento would have made of these the audience clapping Which their hands like, I, bravo, bravo. I don't hate a giallo, right. but I want to know I'm going to watch one. Like, I need to you be in to be a mood. For it. Yes. <laughs> I think... Like, if you're just going to spray red paint all over the place and have heads literally bouncing, I need to be in a specific state of mind for that. And I was not when we were watching this. So we fast forward five years, basically. Five years. Five years. So that we can have a child instead of a baby. And uh, Robert is an ambassador in the UK. Uh... We see him get the ambassadorship right. right at the end of the sort of opening. And it feels like his luck is going to turn. That's well, he is. Part. He went to school uh-huh. with the president. So now it he's just on a track to get to the presidency or close. Mm-hmm. That is his sort of trajectory, right? And uh, so we start having these issues. There's a Rottweiler that shows up and growls sometimes outside the house. Uh, During the fifth birthday party for Damien, Uh uh, his mom takes him from the nanny, and the nanny goes... We see her thinking to herself, maybe, we don't know. Having a conversation with the dog, a silent conversation? A little, yeah, maybe, maybe that's because what it is. the dog's is. staring at her and she's staring at the dog and the dog's staring at her and you're like, <laughs> oh, okay, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, and then she goes up to the top of the big tall house mm-hmm. and yell, and is and during the cutting of the cake, so rude, she's yelling, Damien, Damien, it's all for you, Damien, and as the whole conglomeration kids turns and, and uh, you know yeah, kids adults. adults this is an ambassador's party they mention that like you i think you hear the waiters like uh, this is ridiculous for a fifth five-year-old's party right. and i'm like oh yeah the kardashians she, don't exist well, yet so it makes you think too that it it because uh, my problem is that there is stuff that doesn't Gets glossed over and doesn't get touched on. Yeah. So the idea of this being she's in her forties and this might be her last kid, so she's spoiling the hell out of him. She's spoiling the hell out of him. Also, right. every occasion for the ambassador right. is a way to glad hand and get further right. along in his career ambitions, whatever so those I, ambitions I, are. That's, I wanted to see more of that because it felt like that was kind of being honest about where they were as people. Yeah. And uh, then that woman does jump and hang herself in front of everyone. That is the thing that I know about this movie. Mm-hmm. When coming in, that is the scene that I was familiar with. Uh, and then, you know, two days later, Mrs. Blaylock shows up. She says she's from the agency, who's very sorry about all of that. She's here to care for Damien. Um, I think, like, maybe the two days later... She tries to bring the Rottweiler in to be a pet, and they're like, no, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. He does put his foot down about that. We'll come back to it. And then maybe two days later, they're going to go to church. And she says, hey, Miss Blaylock, get Damien ready for church. And Miss Blaylock's like, no, we're going to go hiking around the the grounds. And there is a 
there is a back and forth. And I, okay, hear me when I say I need you to have respect for the people that you hire to help you in your home. Absolutely. This convert, if I was her, if I was uh, Kathy, Mm -hmm. and I was having this conversation with Mrs. Blaylock, my son is getting dressed and you're fired immediately. She keeps pushing back on Damien won't go to church. Damien's not going to go well, to church. It, do you think that a child will understand what's going on in a, a church service? It's, it, a, it's a wedding, I think. Is it I think it is. A, it's a wedding and, or... Yeah, it's, yeah, I think it is a wedding, yeah. And so everyone's dressed up. The mom is dressed up in her funny little hat. Yes, which yeah. Which gets ripped off her head. Um, but it... Um, but this back and forth is unacceptable. Right. And she's not expecting it to go on as long as it does. It Kathy, keeps it? going on. And I'm just like, this bitch is fired. First of all, I still don't know where you came from. Right. And second of all, you don't get to actually tell me what we're going to do with my child. That's still my child. I've helped mm. you. I've, I've had you come in to help with him. But you make no decisions. Right. Certainly not when I'm telling, make decisions when you need to make decisions. I mean, I'm not saying come to me for everything. Can he have this to eat? Can he have that? Whatever right. it is. But if I'm telling you we're all going to church, we're all going to church. Yeah. It's not negotiable. You know, I, when he's 17 and he wants to have this fight with me, we can have that fight. You mm-hmm. and I are not going to have this fight. You're going to put his little short pants on him and we're going to get in the well, car. That's, that's what's interesting about the film because these two people, the parents, are not particularly religious people. They are not. They're not going to church because they go to church. Regularly. Right. They're going to church because there's a wedding. There's a wedding. Or or yeah. I would, would make more sense to me, mm-hmm. funeral for that nanny. Right. You would maybe show up. I don't know. I mean, if she did that she in your home, no, I'm sure right. that she actually, you're right. And not to mention, I know that he was like, well, that set me back. Like, nobody's going to remember, right. you know, the good parts of this party. Like, it is. And we definitely traumatize a lot of kids. You're right, probably. But, yeah, so, but we're not, mm-hmm. we're not doing this. So, he's, as soon as he's dressed, you are packing your things and leaving. Um, but... They do end up getting him in the car to go to church, and as soon as they pull up to the church, he loses his goddamn mind and tears everything apart, and then that is, uh, that, that is, they do not go to right. the church. They do not go to, <laughs> church, go to church. Turns out, driving Mrs. Blaylock is right. Um, later, there's a field trip to a wildlife park, like a safari park, and he looks at these animals, and they freak out and run away. The opposite of Harry Potter. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and then... Then we see... Then we get Father Brennan entering the picture, right? I'd like to bring up at this point very quickly that we are watching these two established American stars. Yes. Right? Gregory Peck. And Lee Remick. And Lee Remick. And we are watching the cream of the crop of the English theatrical talent. Sure. Yes. And that's something very funny. So Billy... Uh, Whitelaw plays Mrs. Blaylock, and she does really well. She's actually a very she's great. striking woman in real life. She's really lovely. And she was like the personal muse for the playwright Harold Pinter oh, for wow. years. She okay. worked with him on developing the plays that eventually became the Harold Pinter Opuscula. Patrick Troughton plays um, 
uh, Father Brennan. Father Brennan. He was a very long-established character actor. Yeah. Uh, he appeared in Hammersville in Hammer films. He appeared in uh, two Harryhausen movies. Oh, interesting! And he also was the second Doctor Who. This was oh, thank you. That's right. So the other thing that I was confused about. So Father Brennan was was he like um, a young priest at in Rome? He was at the same at right. the hospital. He was, okay. but yeah. he's not the one who. No, that would be Father um, Spiletto. Spiletto. Um, so he. It turns out, we find out, that he has uh, an aggressive form of cancer mm-hmm. and is hopped up on goofballs. But but he has come to warn this American that we did, oops, pawn off the Antichrist on you. I, I'm so sorry. I do feel bad about it. And you need to, like, go take communion and maybe kill your child. Ooh, sorry. What I like is, is the way that he <laughs> announces to him. He doesn't say go take communion. He doesn't say go take the Eucharist. He's like, eat the flesh of Christ. I'm like, what? On That's earth? the thing. So right. Brennan comes in at an eleven. Right. He's coming in so fucking hot. He is not explaining in anything. He's literally like, your child's the Antichrist. That you need to eat the flesh of Christ. And it's like, what? Eat the Are flesh. You- drink his blood. Drink the blood of Christ. He just keeps saying, eat the flesh and drink the blood over and over again. And I'm like, no one's listening to you, sir, because you are actively insane (laughs) right right now. No one is going to be like, the man speaks truth. Let me go ahead and do what he says. This is also very much, and Mm -hmm. and I've read that because I read a couple of reviews of the film. This is the, the, one of the criticisms of it is that it really looks at Catholics from a almost a Protestant point of view, yeah, they look bonkers, they, they bananas, look weird and goofy and strange, and they have archaic rituals and they do all sorts of, and so the film is, is well, I mean, it's a it, they, he he's not he's an American ambassador, but he's British, right. he's in Britain, right, and that is how the UK looks at the Catholics in right, a lot of ways. Exactly. Okay, except so, Ireland. Sorry, Ireland. So, um, you really yeah. get caught in a crossfire. It becomes this very funny scene where I thought, wow, this is the worst witness that we've ever had. I was had like, this man church. is telling the truth, presumably, and uh, I don't believe him, and right. I say, get away from him. And Patrick Trouton is a really good actor if you want somebody to just lose their shit in the middle of the scene. He's really yeah. good at it. Yeah. He literally will. Fr- he's like Donald Pleasance. He will froth. Oh but he doesn't even lose his shit in the middle of the scene. Right. He, like I said, he comes in so hot. Right. Just and so. And he just keeps building. And ju- <laughs> and I'm just like. It's like a syndrome. Sir. Like the China syndrome. It just keeps going. And, and, yes. keeps and he says, Damien is the son of Satan. And that Kathy is pregnant. I don't know how he knows that. It's, I don't think it's ever made clear. And that Damien is not going to. St- allow that child to survive um and so you have to like find Dar- uh father spoleto no he says you have to what is the what is the names the names are bonkers megiddo you have to go to megiddo and talk to Bugenhagen. Right. So it just sounds like Y'all. he's making up sounds wah 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 yeah. wah 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 <laughs> and and that's right. how, and he'll tell you how to kill your son, and uh, then Brennan goes for a walk and is uh, impaled by a big pole, and then 
Robert goes home. Which is, is another very giallo kind of... Yes. He's killed standing up. Standing up. The, the, he's the, impaled the from, the, from the, the... Like a, a weather from vein? A, heaven. Right. A spear from heaven comes down. <laughs> and this is like, there's two separate meanings. One of which he tells him um, that he he has to do, you know... Yes. He eats the blood, drinks the blood, da, 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 drink the blood, eat the flesh, that kind of thing. And then he meets him at a park like right. two days later and he, he's a little calmer. Right. He does at that point say, I've been diagnosed with this disease and I'm dying. And um, I think, does he show him a 666? Because doesn't he have a 666 on him? I feel like he's got the 666 on him too. No, no, that's... Uh, that's or a stiletto. Warner shows him that later Oh, okay, on. later on. Um, but he so, does have a 666 on him, I believe. He does, okay. So, a couple of things. One, Robert had seen um, the Rottweiler that he explicitly said to get rid of mm-hmm. in the house one night, and then when he goes mm-hmm. to Mrs. Blaylock, literally, I think the next day, he goes in and he's looking for the the housekeeper and she's like, yeah, they left, they quit and they're gone, but it's okay. I've got, to, I can take care of everything. Yeah, the entire household left. And this is a huge house. It's a you. big house, but there's only, I think the only, I think it's two people that left. I think it's a married couple, probably groundskeeper and housekeeper. That's, that's how they rolled in, in the UK, um, in England at the time. And, uh, she's like, but I got it. And he's like, and also get rid of the fucking dog. And right. she's like, oh, they come and got him this morning. I'm like, mm, so convenient. Uh, and then he goes and talks to Kathy, and Kathy's like, um, I want an abortion. Right, this becomes a film about she consent. She says, I don't want another consent. child. Right. That's what she says. Because she is not connecting to Damien, and she does not want to do it again. Right. And... So he's like, well, that's fine. You know, we don't have to have another child. And she's like, then great. You'll consent to the abortion because she needs her husband's consent to get an abortion. Good. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I don't like that idea. And he does not consent. This is kind of an awful. I, I really like the performance of the two leads in this part, mm-hmm. in this particular scene. This is probably the best scene in the movie. Because he's conflicted, because he understands that her apprehensions about... Excuse me. Her apprehensions about Damien are partly based on the fact that she has no connection to this child. Right. But she doesn't understand he why. Knows, right. He knows. This is not her flesh and blood. Which... And it might be something else entirely. I want to be expli- explicit. Right. You can absolutely have... Oh, yeah. ...a strong bond with a child that is not your flesh and blood. A stepchild, an adopted child, a foster child, etc. She doesn't have any of those things. <laughs> and she doesn't understand why, because she should. Because this is her baby, right? She gave birth to this child. No, she did not. No, she didn't. And it's she thinks there's something wrong with her, nurse. which is what makes it really sad. Yeah. So then, while Robert is out, we see, this is when I said he gets, Damien gets literally wound up, mm-hmm. right? Kathy is fixing a light in a hallway at the top of the stairs and she's climbing up to reach like she's up on a stool or a chair or something. Somebody got rid of all the servants who could have done that for her. 
and she's trying to fix whatever it is, and we see Blaylock or Baylock. Mm-hmm. Blaylock? Baylock. Um, I'm like, Blaylock, I think, is a character from something like an anime. Um, Baylock is letting him, like, take his tricycle and spin and spin and spin, like, in this little, tight little circle. Right. And finally, when he gets enough oomph up, she opens the door and he, like, barrels down the hallway right into the the, the table I think she's standing mm-hmm. on. And she goes over the edge. She grabs onto the the uh, posts on the on the just like rail really, ledge, yeah. and then he just looks at her, and she loses her grip and falls to the floor. Now she does miscarry that baby, right. but she does not die. Now she's going to be in the hospital. She got her arm in traction. She's all she. I think she got a neck thing. Right. We leave her there. Then we are introduced to Keith Jennings, who we've been seeing in the background of these various things. He's a photographer. He was at the birthday party, and he took a bunch of pictures there. And he's taken other pictures of uh, Father Brennan, and uh, including of his death. And he is tracking these um, sort of apparitions in the photos around these people right. leading up to their death that are like shadows until they're not. <laughs> I found that part of the film the most interesting. I think that's interesting. And it reminded me a lot. I, I had the feeling that it informed things like um, Shudder. The Ring. The Ring, yes. And the, it, is it, it becomes, Shudder? The one yes. with Jeremy Jackson, Joshua Jackson, right. where she's on his back, right. but he's Oof, take, it's girl. ghost pictures. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that is really interesting. Yeah, I like that like, piece of it. There's the notion that there's the in the the two pictures he's taken previously of Father Brennan. There is what looks like the the pole or the lightning rod that impales him yeah. around, and then he shows the final picture. And this is Ke- this is uh, David Warner as Keith Jennings. Right. And when I saw him, I was like, was he ever on Doctor Who? And you were like, yes. yes. And that was the scene where he and Patrick Troughton are talking, and it's like, he and was he, on Doctor Who, and, and he, he was, was Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. So this man looks mm. like a monkey. He mm. looks like, I mean, he looks like the epitome of 1976. Right. He, his hair is that bulk, that straight bowl cut situation. Right. He looks like Peter Tork from The Monkees. Tell me he, I'm he's wrong. He's a really interesting actor. We saw him not too long ago in Time After Time where he played Jack the Ripper. Uh, yes. And he's played oh, yeah. That's any right. number of villains yes. over his career. He's very and good. he seems like a villain in this because right. he, he is just watching and clicking and watching. You have watching. no idea what he's up to up until this point. Yeah. And then, as he said, as I said, so there's the, the weather vane or whatever that, that killed Father Brennan. Yeah. He has a picture. He was a photographer at... The uh, the birthday party, right? So and he's got pictures of the nanny noose around the nanny's neck, like leading up mm-hmm. to our dark, darkening, darkening, darkening. Right. So he's like, and then he says, "There's a- he, he goes to Robert. Right. He goes to he he approaches Robert, and he's like, um, along with those photos, he's got news clippings that sort of indicate that the Antichrist is on Earth, right?" <laughs> What news clippings those are, we don't need to talk about it. It's like, you know, floods in certain places. Right. Or, yeah, it's these It's these things. It's 
the things that you can absolutely look at and put together and say, look, this attaches to this, attaches to this on your serial killer wall, and it right. all makes sense. Like, ooh. Well, one of the... So they, they become, like, buddies in this investigation. Yes. Because and then they go to Rome together. Yeah. A beautiful Italian vacation that these two men take. Well, his wife is still in the, the hospital. hospital. Uh, and... and <laughs> creepy kid is at home. With... You know, his babysitter, who's a psychopath. They learned that the mater- all of the records from the time when Kathy was there were burned in a fire, like, the next day. Like, mm-hmm. it was five years ago. Like, it was right after it really? happened, right? Um, and then they finally, they get somebody to tell them where Father Spoleto is, um, because he is no longer there either. And he is... Mute, blind in one eye, partially paralyzed, and it was it looks like was maybe burned in that oh, same burned, fire. Very badly, it looks like yeah. Yeah. And he sort of vaguely directs them to a cemetery where Damien's biological mother is buried. Because we're hearing what Brennan was also saying was I saw its mother mm-hmm. and he does refer to Damien as it. And it wasn't a human. It wasn't a human woman that that baby came out of, right? And so they go, and they... Now, this isn't in Tuscan. Like, it's a very ancient graveyard. Oh, yeah. It's all in ruins. They have to climb a fence to get in. Yes, which is never a good sign. No, it's not. And it's nighttime, because of fucking course it is. And it's it's a really... It looks like a really big, lovely set that they built. Yes, yes. Because it's one of those cases where it's so evenly lit all over the length of it. It felt like... one of the scenes in a pet one of the pet cemeteries right. that we watched, where you're like, "Look at this lovely cemetery that they constructed on a soundstage." <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and they open the grave where Damien's mother was, and it is apparently the carcass of a jackal. It's unclear to me what it is because it's a skeleton of right. a four-legged animal. I assume Rottweiler, because why wouldn't so, you? And again, as I commented to you, that means he is literally a son of a bitch. <laughs> well, oh, but joke. is a jackal? Yeah. Still? Okay. And then the plot next to it, there's a child skeleton with its brain, like, the skull is crushed. Mushed. Mushed like- there's a big hole in the side of the skull. Now, two things about that. One, that sucks if they killed his baby just to get a placement. Right. For this baby, which is absolutely what they're projecting that mm-hmm. they have done. But also, a newborn skull is very soft. It is possible that that damage was done post-mortem, post-mortem in yeah. the meantime. Uh, he makes the assumption right. that they killed my baby. They killed my baby. And I'm like, I mean, I see why you believe this. Yeah. But... Your evidence is not 100% foolproof well, here. It's a conclusion he jumps to, and we, he just sort of runs with it. Because also at this point, he is... He's fully invested in the he, idea He believes that this, that this child right. is evil. Like, he's he's there. He's... Especially after Kathy had her accident. Right. Accident. After mm-hmm. Kathy had her fall. And I should mention, or we should mention, that before this, there was a scene where they visited Father Brennan's cell. Oh, yes. And it was covered with... Scriptures everywhere. There's like it was pages like, of Bible tack everywhere. There's you know, a red fixes all over the walls it, it, with red string running from yeah. one word to another word. Yeah, like it was 
So yeah, that, that, it was a beautiful mind. It was a <laughs> beautiful mind. And then they're chased out of the cemetery by what else? A pack of Rottweilers. Uh, immediately, Robert calls Kathy, and she, he's like, "You need to get the fuck out of there. You need to leave London. You need to just go. Uh, don't. I will explain, but you need to leave. Don't worry about Damien. Just get the fuck out of there." And she's like, uh, okay, but I'm like a fucking invalid over here. And as she's trying to take, this is so, it's, <laughs> this part two was so on the nose. As she's trying to take off her gauzy white robe over mm. her head, she's caught up and she hears somebody behind her and she turns around and I think she says like, Mrs. Baylock, is that you? Which, why would she be in the hospital? Or, yeah, no, who's there, maybe, right. she says. And she's like, it's you, or whatever. And then we see it's Mrs. Baylock. And she's got now, basically, a veil. Right. It looks like she's got a white veil over her body. And Mrs. Baylock does throw her out of the top window of that hospital and, and, and does kill here's her Here's one of the marks of you're watching a giallo. And she, like, straight picks her up right. and throws her, like... <laughs> You know you're watching a giallo when you're not spared the impact of the body hitting... No. Right? So somebody falls from a four-story or three-story window onto a, uh ambulance. It's like you get the picture. They're dead. Yeah. But in this kind of movie, and it later on became a, a staple of the slasher movies. Yeah. Because that's really what they became here. Yeah. In the States. The doors open and there's poor Lee Remick for the second time in this movie, unconscious, covered in blood. Covered in blood, right. Because she fell off the... This time it's for real, though. When she fell off the banister, she said, like, blood dripping out of her mouth. And I'm going, oh my god. Stop this. (laughs) Yeah. So... Then they travel to... Wait, what was it called? Megiddo. Megiddo, which comes from the word for Armageddon, because of course it does, to meet one Carl Bugenhagen, which is a ridiculous name. What are you doing, movie? Played by another great stage and screen luminary, Leo McKern. Oh, yeah? Great character actor. Yes. Played Rumpel the Bailey. And he basically is like, if he's the true Antichrist, he'll have a birthmark on him. It's three sixes in a circle, though. Y'all, it's not just six, six, six typed out like a typewriter. It's in a circle. In a circle, and um, Robert's like, I have bathed him, I know every inch of his body. He does not have a birthmark that looks like that. And he's like, Well, if you can't see it, it's under his hair, sure. And then he's like, Here, have these seven daggers. You have to take him to a church, lay mm-hmm. him on the altar, on consecrated ground on yeah. the altar, on the altar, and on the altar. You have to go to a right. church and put him on the altar and then stab him with these seven daggers. Good luck. And the first one it has to go through the heart, and the rest of them are like for uh, extra uh, shits extra, and giggles, uh, uh, stopping the flow of evil or chi or something. I don't know what it's for, but at this point, I'm going. Who? Wait, who said this? What is? What yeah, and at here? this point, I'm not exactly sure what leads up to it, but what ends up happening is a real final destination situation. Where Keith is decapitated by a right. pane so of glass. He comes, and his head right. literally bounce, bounce, bounces. And I'm just like, what the holy fuck am I watching? So they leave the ruins uh, uh, that uh, these two gentlemen 
and um, Bob and Keith. And Robert's like, I'm not going to kill my son. This is ridiculous. I have these weapons. I'm supposed to. This is ridiculous. I'm not going to do this. And, and then so he finds he throws out. out the, he throws oh. the knives. Oh. And then Keith runs Keith over the and wants says, to like, get it, right? I want to get it because you know what? There's a picture of me. Oh. Right? With my this line across my neck. I, I can't. I'm in the middle of this. Now. Right. So if you're not Is there pictures him, of Robert? Um, there's no picture of Robert okay. that he's shown him. But he's he tells him, I, I I need to do this then. So he runs to go pick it up from where the, the little fold over business with the um It's like a knife roll that right. chefs have. Like yeah. A tools bag or something yeah. too. Um and there is a truck that for some reason mysterious reason, um goes from parked into neutral or something, and it rolls backwards. Oh, yeah, it rolls and backwards, and then when it stops, yeah, the shoot of glass keeps growing and does and cut off his whole leg. cuts off his head, and it's bounce, bounce, so bounce. bizarre that we're seeing it from two or three different angles yes. in slow motion yet. Yeah, it's, it's unnecessary. Like, isn't this cool? No. <laughs> God. I feel bad for Keith. Uh, although he was about to kill a child, so. But is it a child? Who That's knows? the question. Uh, but there isn't a question because they are very heavy-handed in the last scene. So then Robert goes home. Kathy is dead. He is distraught. He is Which looking. Is another good scene. His reaction over the phone when yeah. he gets told that she's dead is it's very good. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's great. He's Gregory fucking Peck. He's great. Right. And and that's what I have to say. <laughs> All of these actors. Are doing their utmost. They're doing their best. The they o- are doing their the best. The only one who really fails or falls on the job is the kid playing Damien, but he's like five years old or whatever. He's five. Um, and is not given anything to actually right. do. So I would argue he's not falling down on a job. He's better than the kid that plays the, the kid in The Shining to me. Right. Ah. But he's given much less to do. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he is. He goes into his sleeping son's room and it just grabs his head and is looking for this birthmark. And this kid don't wake up, and I, that's weird to me. I'm just like, when you wake up, if somebody was on your head, just like looking at your scalp, I feel like you'd wake up. And then he is attacked from behind by Mrs. Baylock. Who just shrieks and attacks him? Just she jumps on is his back. A shrieking harpy. It's really. She's her hair is down. She's wearing a blue nightgown, uh-huh. and she just jumps on his right. back. And he does stab her eventually, all the way to death. Eventually, it it's a long the fight scene. Fall down the staircase. They get into the kitchen. It's yeah. And then he just picks Damien up because he has spot. He has found the six 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 tattoo, mm. and he picks him up, picks up the daggers, throws them in the car, and then they are. Driving to a church. Um, but he does blow past a checkpoint that's been put outside of his house. Unclear why that yeah, is. That, that one I didn't understand. That's the other thing. I'm like, why are these people right outside of his house and just going, we're going to follow the ambassador? Like, what? What did I say right at the beginning when we said he was the ambassador to the UK? I'm like, oh, no, you can't give the devil diplomatic immunity. <laughs> Uh, but apparently he doesn't have diplomatic immunity because they will, they are going to take him out. I'm not sure. Okay, well, never mind. Let's keep, let's so he drags a screaming Damien in the middle of the night onto mm. the altar of a church. Uh, 
and then gets shot. He gets shot by the police. The police are like, stop or we'll shoot. And he does not stop, and they do shoot. Right, and then he is, is killed. weird, because I think generally the English police don't carry... Guns. Guns. Not typically. I wonder if it was private security. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that was the one part, of, like, oh, okay. And they don't now. They might have in 76. Right. It may be a... There may have been an incident, something along these lines, yeah, some that they were like, yeah. To kill the Antichrist. And, yeah. and then we've got a double funeral, Kathy and Robert, and we see Damien standing between mm-hmm. the president and the vice, or, and the first lady, holding their hands, because he is the son of his old friend, and right. apparently what the... What the president does is adopt him, which is wild, but, you know, Damien's traded up in power, so good on him. And then, yeah, he does turn all the way around and smirk right in the camera. Finn. So, overall, yes. how do you feel about this movie? Well, thrilling it is. Mm-hmm. Good. It is not. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It wants you... But I think it would have been better if we just didn't know. And yeah. I think that's been done several times since right. then. Several times. So maybe I wouldn't like it. Anymore. Maybe See, it just... It suffers from the fact that it's been 46 years since this movie came out. And I've seen all manner of... spin-offs and knockoffs. Right. I've never seen any of the sequels to this movie. Um, but like there are dozens of movies that follow a very similar format. Right. Um it bums me out that it's so popular that it's got evangelicals like who for some reason uh, acting like or... more of an ass than they already do sometimes. Like I just that's a bummer to me. Um, I didn't, even with Gregory Peck in almost every scene, I did not enjoy watching the movie. Gregory Peck was, he was apparently the first choice for the part, but there were other actors considered, including people like Dick Van Dyke. That would have been interesting. They wanted the most likable guy that they could think of. Sure. And so. But here's the thing, hmm. though. And, and this might not have been true in 1976, but in 2022, he could be as likable as you want. But in scene one, right. when he lies to his wife about the identity of the baby that they bring right. home, he's not likable that for does, the rest of the... And he never right. undoes it. That's something that does not age well. That I the, can't imagine it, that women in 1976 were on board idea, with this. But that was very much part of that male responsibility business that they were that was part of a, like that I just that is such a massive thing yes and yes. every time here's the thing I am not a per I am a person who is like you know what sometimes you lie to your significant other for whatever reason mm-hmm. and I don't think that that's an automatic deal breaker but here's the problem with this lie he has to now lie to his wife literally every day of the rest of their lives right it's too big it's too big of a part of their lives. 
that is an ongoing, like, it's not going to suddenly, all of a sudden, be her child. Like, it's never going to go away. You are going to, every time you interact over this child, you are lying to her. You are actively lying to her. Right. That's a fucking problem. Yeah, it is. And I'm, not, I'm not so, excusing his behavior. I know. But that's so it's just like, as likable as you want him to be, right. he's not likable to it's me. It's consistent with what they thought was male responsibility then to take care of people. Um, they did it wrong. They, they, yeah. it's, it's So it, that's very difficult for me to then be like, oh, yeah, I'm on this guy's side. I am not on this guy's side. Because even at no point, at no point does he come clean. No, he doesn't. I don't think, I think he might have given the opportunity, but once he goes off to, with Keith to Rome and finds out how bad everything is, he really doesn't have an opportunity to, to tell her about, I, I think about, you know. What but also done. I think five but, years in, right. the I don't know that gotten, there's a way to do it. Quote, you know this ends your relationship. Right. The That's the other half he's of it. Got, he got was not standing in the way of her abortion. Yes. Well. But then again, it that, didn't matter anyway. Taken away from him too. Right. So it's not. So yeah. it wasn't even an active choice at that point because she did miscarry because right. he did maybe knock her. Well, he definitely knocked her down maybe on purpose. Probably. We I, I think that. What about you? What do you, what uh, overall? Overall. I can say I can see how influential this movie was. Oh yeah, for sure. That I can see. Right, and and so there are in, parts the, of it, in film uh, and sadly not in film. Right. Hey guys, it's a I mean, there's people who job. walk around going, yeah, "Isn't that no? That's not the way it works." Um, the the film itself is really well made. I think. I mean, and again, it's like you have Richard Donner is a talented director, right, even as early as this mm, is for right. sure. The I music mean, is. A lot. The, the I think the ambiguity part would have helped. I yeah. think of uh, trust MR, your audience a right, little bit more. Mr. James, when he said, you know, the rules for a ghost story are this, 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 and always leave a shred of doubt in the reader's mind about whether or not so that a skeptic is it automatically right. out. We talked about that with uh, Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah, and so. In this case... Y'all, Poltergeist is a way better movie. Right. Way better. But I think that this film certainly... As I said, I felt at times like... The first part of the film is almost... It's episodic. There's... And then Damien does this. And then Damien does that. And then Damien does this. Or but doesn't da- do it. Damien doesn't do... And then this happens. Mm. And then this happens. Yeah, and then this it. happens. That's a better way to put it. Damien doesn't instigate... Anything. Anything. Even the most blatant thing that he clearly does, knocking his mother off of that thing. Was not started by him. Was, she literally winds him up. Right. Like a fucking toy that just, like, will walk into a space. There's another scene, And what's actually. he supposed to do when she's hanging right. off of the thing? He's five. He's not going to lift her up over the thing. Right, he's not going to lift her right Making any him. noise at all would have probably been good. But then again, did he speak other, did he old, speak? He does. He does speak. I know and he that's screams to get out of things. In, that basically worked for me also is when uh, his dad is going to kill him, he that's says, right. no, daddy, don't. That's right. I love you, whatever. Right. 
That's and like so, the only time he right. talks, though, right? Yeah. He, what are we doing here? I think the idea was to keep him sort of strange and mysterious, and I don't know that the, the actor, the boy, was up to it. I don't know if it's also just the way that the, he was filmed. Yeah. I don't. I don't think. I, I'm not putting this blame on him. I'm going to no, put it on Donner before I, I put, it put it on him. I put it on Donner also because as much as Richard Donner is a good director, something that we discussed at our barbecue yesterday, when Oliver Stone directed The Hand. Oh, yes. And he tried to direct several horror films and then just gave up and said, was you like, need to this have is, a, I don't have the touch. The touch. Yeah. And I don't know that Richard Donner has it either. Now, mind you, he has the touch when it comes to a buddy cop movie like Lethal Weapon. For sure. He sure as hell has a comedy. touch for Superman. Superman, yeah. Superman was like the first big, a huge scaled um, superhero, superhero movie. Yeah. And so he really did invent the genre. Genre. I don't know. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> so he did do that. So I think that maybe in this one, it's... Even when we're thinking about it, comparing it to something like the Day of the Earth is still yeah, that we just watched. Just watch. There are possible, uh, and it's because Robert Wise had worked with both Orson Welles, who was nice and creepy, and mm -hmm. and um, Val Luton, who's Mister Creepy. There are scenes in there that are stranger and more unusual and weird, and they pass off this kind of stranger from another world thing better than this film does. Because there's, you, Damien just isn't other enough. I think for me, is what the I think is. that's that's part of it. Also, it's just it's very heavy-handed. It really wants mm. me to take a stance. Yeah, that it's not like backing up. Kind of, I don't know. Rosemary's Baby, which was a few years earlier, nails that. Because you don't know if she is suffering from some sort of depression associated with her pregnancy. She has issues with her neighbors, and her husband is not there when he needs to be. You could say all of this is in her head up until the last scene. And at the very end, you have this ambiguous moment where she's looking at this baby, going, what do I do with this now? Then it cuts out. I think that's what they were aiming at. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just not... And it wasn't that film. It it was not... It was, it was so much less than the sum of its parts. Right. There we go. That's that's how I feel about it, ultimately. And, and again, was it an, an enjoyable... I'm not sure I'd say it was enjoyable. It's I did not enjoy the watch of it. weird. Yeah. There's a lot of... Like, poor Lee Remick... Um, just gets punished so much in this film. Uh, and it felt like unfairly, it right. felt a little unfair. Yeah, like all this woman did was marry this man. Right. And then just... And it's his decision <laughs> that essentially winds up killing uh -huh. him badly. Um, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, did I find, it, there are parts of it that are thrilling. The parts I found thrilling weren't the big set pieces with the uh, necessarily with the uh, murders or yeah. the strange mysterious deaths. And again, you can see how that plays into films like the Final Destination De Final Destination series. You can see how it affected films like The Ring. Yeah. You can see how so much of what was a part of like the the, the DNA for this film is everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. 
Let's talk about July, because this is the last episode for the month, because it is coming out on the last day of the month. That's how you can tell. Okay. So, we are going to watch four movies in July. Four movies. Those movies are, first up, next week, we're going to watch Rebecca from 1940, which is available, I will tell you right now, on YouTube. (laughs) It's nowhere else. It's available on YouTube. Not the 2020 version with Army Hammer and Lily James. Not that one. This is the Alfred Hitchcock one. So, we will watch that. Then we will watch 1960's The Magnificent Seven. Once again, not the one from recently, 2016 or whenever it was. The one from 1960. Then we will watch Gaslight from 1944. More Angela Lansbury. Yes. Yay! And then finally, in a big left turn, Terminator 2 Judgment Day from 1991. Uh, we will be watching Terminator 1 later in the series. It's so odd. I will put up a graphic with July mm-hmm. coming out, but those are the things we are watching over the next month. Right. As I say, Rebecca is currently available the entirety of the in the in its entirety. Um, the full HD movie with Joan Fontaine, Lawrence Olivier, and Judith Anderson. Uh, on YouTube for free. So that is how we will be watching right. it. Okay. Uh, because it's not available for streaming anywhere else, and mm. it, I don't want to buy a DVD. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, watch it with us. I've never seen this movie. I own the book. I haven't read it. It's red. That's what I can tell you about it. It's a very... It's a red mass market paperback. Interesting story. And there's... There's a lot of the, um, a lot of the Hitchcock kind of hallmarks of sublimated sexuality. There's a lot of abuse of his female ca- uh, stars. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, but the one female villain is queen here. Mrs. Danvers steals the show in a lot of ways, and so that'll be, that'll be. I know that there was the recent uh, remake that we saw with Army Hammer. And it was pretty good, but what it lacked was the tension that Hitchcock is able to stir into the story. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of things where, like, it was serviceable, but it doesn't if hold you don't a candle know the story, to this it's great, right. But the problem is, it Hitchcock knew how to keep things weirdly tight. I mean, yeah, that's like his deal. This is a long movie. It is two hours and ten minutes long, mm-hmm. per the YouTube clip that I was just looking at. Right. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to watch. Watch along with us. It's free, yeah, guys. This one is the freest, the freest of them, if you have internet. Which, hopefully you do, because that's how you listen to us. Right. Uh, and we're going to watch that, and then it's a Western. Rebecca, and then a Western. And it's a fun Western. Yeah, I'm excited about July. I'm excited about most of these upcoming... Like, these are movies that I have seen and liked. Or wanted to see. This is the this is the low point so far. The Omen is the low point for really? me. Yeah, yeah. Of all the movies that we've watched, this is my least favorite. Hmm. Yeah, I'm scrolling back. I didn't love the picture of Dorian Gray, um, I but some... I I kind of actively dislike the Omen. <laughs> yeah, it was. It has some of the same sort of. Thing. And not because. I think it's a bad movie. Right. I just didn't care for it. I think it has some of the same things going for it, which are that it's just really well made. And there are very mm-hmm. good actors in it. Yes. And it's just I mean, it could people. have been right. 
torturous to see, yes, but then it wouldn't right. have made this list. Right. I feel like the Richard Donner, Gregory Peck, Lee Remick of it all mm-hmm. is what gets it. And, and Jerry, Jerry Goldsmith, right. for that matter, are what get it onto the AFI list. Right. Um, but, but I also like, just again, the idea that you, and it's the Harry Potter method of casting, just stick every... English actor. Have you heard of him? He's in it. It's going to be like, you know, if there's a, if there is a doctor or if there's a nurse, we're going to cast that award winner, the BAFTA award winner is going to be playing that part or the, you know, the really popular actor who played Doctor Who is going to be the crazy priest or, you know, stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. So, that's Mm -hmm. everything for the show upcoming. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything that you would like to recommend to our lovely listeners? Did you watch I, anything yesterday? <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> but, uh, and it was on YouTube, and it's not new. That's fine. I decided to revisit Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury. Oh, yes, I did see that you had done that. And somebody has put a all... Of the, the, so the book itself is very dense and at times hard to get through for me, and I made several false attempts at it, uh, or false starts rather, with it, because his prose is really dense. And eventually I did what I do for some of the more difficult prose that's hard for me to concentrate with. I got an audiobook and just listened to it. Right. So, 38 chapters in. No, Lord. That's a lot of chapters. Right. I'm completely, (laughs) you know, like, yes, I need to find out how this ends, even though I do know more or less how it ends. There was a film version done. Yes. Um, produced by one of the Douglases. Uh, the Douglases, Kirk Douglas. Unlike um, Kirk, Michael, those, mm-hmm. those, yeah, Douglases? those Douglases? And Is that all? That's all. No, no, there's, there's a few more. This oh, okay. one is one of the other Douglases. Oh, okay, gotcha. And so he did not let Dad play the villain. No. The devil in the film. And... Interestingly enough, they did not um they did not allow for Ray Bradbury's choice, who would have been his friend Christopher Lee. Hmm. Uh, who would have been really funny in it. Um but they got Jonathan Price, who's oh, very good. And Jason Robards. He's iconic, also iconic. Uh and it's actually a really good film. I saw the movie once when I was very young. And seeing it again, I, I can um it's a matter of it's creepy and weird. I hadn't noticed all the character actors that I remember from my youth or in corners of the film, including uh, God, just a second. I was gonna say Jackie Brown. Do you mean Pam Pam Greer. Greer. Yes. Pam Greer is playing the Dust Witch in the film. No. And she I don't think she says much of anything in this film, but she's Pam Greer. And so she's in these different costumes playing this idealized woman at these, that just sort of tempt and the men of the town fall in love with her. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's very much both the book and I guess maybe the film. Uh huh. Maybe not. Had an influence on Stephen King because it's very much like Needful Things. Oh, yes. It's very much like that. And it, uh, you know, there's a, a woman who, a school teacher who wants to regain her lost youth and beauty. And so she does regain her lost 
beauty, but she's now blind. Yeah. You know, there's the man who um, initially is dreaming of women in far-off lands. He's he's a perv. Anyhow, at another point, he's actually unable to move while these women kind of fondle his hair, his shoulders and all, but he's immobilized. And then he I don't turns like up that. Later on, um, sort of, uh, yeah, as one of the, the people in this sideshow, and all the people in the sideshow are characters, souls that he's drawn in. So the film has some flaws, but it really is beautiful looking. It was directed by Jack Clayton, who did The Innocence. Okay. Um, uh, which is the first and probably the best really good adaptation of Turn of the Screw. Uh and so it does have a great atmosphere to it. There's some controversy for it at the time, but because it was a Disney film and Disney was trying to be more adult and a direction which they've kind of taken but still stayed with sort of a family genre. But um, but anyhow, yeah, it's it's interesting getting in touch with that again. Nice. And getting in touch with Bradbury and just... Where is it available? It was available. It's on YouTube. On YouTube. Great. Right? And the, the, the audio Go to book, YouTube course, for all yeah. of your movie needs. The audiobook is available also on YouTube. Okay. I got it on Audible. Yeah. But um but yeah, it, it was it's interesting getting acquainted with him again. So what was your what did you see in the last couple of days? Nothing. Oh. I've started a couple of things, but I don't know if they're good yet. Um I've started watching a an adaptation of a young adult series called The Summer I Turned Pretty. Right. Uh, which I'm enjoying, but some people are saying online, in some of my groups online, oh, I don't know if I care for the casting. Mm. I've never read these books. Casting right. seems fine. So that's that's a thing that I'm looking at. You know, we're waiting for stuff to catch up, and then we're going to do a Stranger Things. Stranger right. Things. Uh, you know, we started watching the new Iron Chef. Um, which I think is really fun. I like the um, the new format that they're doing, and Mark DeCascos is eating all of the scenery. Yes. So delicious that scene. He's not eating any of the food, right? But he is gnawing on that scenery. And I don't. He's very bald. I don't know what's going. I don't know what he's working on or what's going on. But he is really leaning into all of the camp, right? That the uh, original show had, which. He did to an extent I in the in the previous version, but yeah, no, they he's leaning all the way, like literally leaning mm -hmm. all the way in. So that's fun. We I started Evil. We started watching Evil again, where there's some movies on Netflix that we're waiting for. Like, I mean, we we haven't finished uh, Clarice, which is something that no, we're all that's another thing that's we're um, in the middle of. So yeah, it's yeah, but. Um, yeah, I, I started watching the uh, the summer that I turned pretty in the middle of episode one and something cringy happened and I like noped out of it because I was like, we were on the way out to the barbecue yesterday and I was like, I had 20 minutes uh -huh. and something like super embarrassing happened to the main character and I was like, I can't watch this right now <laughs> and then I haven't gone back, but I will. I think I will. Um, yeah, there's, a, there's an Emma Thompson movie on Hulu that I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, but no, nothing over the weekend really since we last spoke because it's been two days and I was working all day. Too. Right. So, uh, those little things are what I tell you. Here's what I recommend. A full night's sleep. 
What's that? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I miss it. I love it. I hope to get one soon. Probably not tonight. Probably not tomorrow. It's going to be very hot. But maybe the next day or the day after that. Uh, yeah, get some sleep. Take your medicine. Those are the things I recommend. <laughs> uh, next week, we're going to watch Rebecca. 1940s Rebecca. Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock. Is this a is this a black and white or is this a it's color? It's a black and white film. It okay. was his first major film in this country. He was brought over from England yeah. to do this film, and he had all sorts of problems with the producer. Always. But, uh, but he was Hitchcock. He seems difficult. Right. Well, <laughs> so, he's very difficult, complicated, and... And yeah. this is only the first of several Hitchcock films on this list, so... Right. Yeah. Well, as far and as... And maybe only, going. like, the third Hitchcock film I've ever seen. Wow. I'm trying to think. I've seen The Birds. I've seen Psycho. Maybe you had to see Vertigo. I've seen North by Northwest. I We're going to see Vertigo. Vertigo's on the list. Oh, I've never geez. seen Vertigo. I want to see Vertigo. I've never seen Vertigo. Uh-huh. I did see North by Northwest. So I think those are the three Hitchcock movies that I've seen. So this will be number four. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I think that's everything. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook, latecomerspodcast. I would like to remind you, please take your medicines. And we would like to remind you, better, better late than, than never. never.